Welcome into to another edition of the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast. It is Friday, August 6th, 2021. I've been trying to record this podcast for now five days. Jeff Woody continued to avoid me. First, he tried to tell me that he was sick. Uh, then he had, I mean, it, the, the number of excuses were innumerable, to be quite I, honest. So they, now uh, we're finally here. It's a, a Friday football and random things. It's a fart. Here on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. Fart. Fart. Uh, I would. I, I don't think anyone would want to hear. Because I had a little. I don't know if it was the uh, the fire smoke from the Canadian wildfire smoke or pollen or a bug or something. But I sounded like absolute hell between Saturday and Tuesday. And then your schedule couldn't line up because we had there is apparently news happening around Iowa state that you have to be attentive to. So it's first time we'd actually get down, but we are talking about football today. There's we some are. random things, yeah, but it's mostly football today. Mo- mostly football today. Uh, the cyclones reported for fall camp yesterday. Uh, we're going to go and talk to, well, I'm going to go and talk to Matt Campbell here in just a couple hours uh, as the cyclones get, uh, get ready to open the 2021 season and start their official preparations for uh, Northern Iowa uh, the first weekend in September. Uh, that's still a long ways away, but we've got plenty of stuff to, to go through. I reposted a column today on cyclone fanatic that I'm going to do. I'm going to do one of these every week. And I, I mean, I, we probably could do something similar to this just every week during fall camp, but uh it's five questions that Matt Campbell is going to face today when he talks to the media. I've got the topics here. Uh, they kind of range not really much about football. That's the unfortunate thing of the fact that we haven't talked to coach Campbell in so long. Well, I guess they talked at media days, but there's so many just random housekeeping things to get to. Uh, but then, you know, once we get to Monday football media days on Monday, and then we get to the position coaches after that, then it's like full on football for three weeks. Well, and the funny thing is, is like all the controversial stuff or the things that are, are pretty complex issues. You want to get Jack diddly squat from that man. Yeah. He is the king of coach speak. Yeah. Uh, like realignment. That's our first topic here. Realignment is the first thing that, you know, that Matt Campbell is going to get asked about because that broke immediately or basically a day after the big 12 media days in Dallas. Uh, I imagine Matt Campbell will say absolutely nothing. Yeah. I mean, and he's, he's going to say, uh, we're focused on us. We are, we're going to play who's on the schedule and we're going to try and be the best version of ourselves. And you know, that the, it it's, he is going to get he's let's gonna look get inside 50 word quote with zero substance to There's it. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Yeah. It, yeah. So I think like he is a straight shooter to his players. He is very honest and forthright with them and doesn't like to give, anything to anybody else, which is great. I, I have no problem with that. It's just funny because yeah, you're going to, there are relatively substantive issues that require a lot of thought and you're not going to get a Dabo Swinney quote from Matt Campbell, you know, like you're not going to get something loud or something flamboyant or something you can put on a front page. Like you're going to get process better ourselves every day. You know, all of it, like the, the coach speakiest coach speak. Well, that's why the, the do something over being somebody quote from big 12 media days was so good mm-hmm. because it was different. He'd never said that before. Yeah. You no. Know? And all the things that we've heard Matt Campbell say, the Matt Campbellisms, and he finally gave us a new one. You know, it's like he needs to just introduce one new thing to his, uh, 
to, I don't know, his vocabulary, I guess would be the best way to put it. Yeah. Every year, add one new uh, cliche to his, uh, <laughs> to his vo- vocab every year. Uh, that it, and it doesn't even necessarily have to apply. It's just some, anything different. Right. Anything. Well, yeah, some of them apply to everything. The reality is that yep. one applies to everything. Uh, each and every day. Yeah. Expression. Each, right. Each and every day. Uh, culture. Yep. Uh, the process. Um, results. Uh, what is it? Um, process-based results aware or something mm-hmm. like that. Process-driven results aware. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and it's just, it's one of those things where every time he says it, when you hear him say it, you're like, man, I'm fired up. Coach has me fired up. And then you read what he said and you're like, man, that didn't make any sense. He did not <laughs> say anything. Yeah. He's, if you've never been in a room with him, he just has like an, a, he has a tremendously intense presence. Like the he vibe of, he has yeah, for sure. Yeah. The vibe that you get when you're in the room is like, this dude is, uh, what are you, what is he thinking? What is he feeling? Like what is going on inside? Like you're, it's just anticipation. And, when he's in the room. and he, it's funny because if you talk to him just like one-on-one, he, he is a straight shooter when you just, when you're having like a personal conversation with him. You know, not even about football, like just about anything. And he'll like, he'll, he will actually give like opinions on just about anything when you're just chilling and talking to him or whatever, like on the side If like, I've seen him at, you know, different random things, camps and stuff like that and had one-on-one conversations with them. But then you get him in front of the whole group of media people. And I'm like, come on, man, like nothing. We just were having a great conversation here and you just, now you're off doing, doing this, but whatever. Because so because he's not going to say anything, we, we can are. say stuff. Right. We're going to say things. All right. So let's start with realignment. Um, I, I'm interested to know what, what, if anything, level of motivation that can be taken from Iowa State's side uh, from this entire thing. You know, the Texas and Oklahoma deal is what it is at this point. Obviously, it's a, it's a done deal. Like, it's, it's just going to happen. Um, but for the last two weeks – all we've heard about is how irrelevant Iowa state is in media markets, how uh, none of the other programs in the big 12 mean anything on the grand scale or like on the national scale on the big stage, any of those (laughs) things. And if I was someone that's inside that building and you had, you were seeing those things on Twitter and hearing about that over and over and over again, I'd be like, okay, keep Mm -hmm. thinking that. Keep thinking that, especially when uh, all of a sudden Iowa State's got more expectations than they've ever had in the program's history, and yet they still have to hear every day about how they don't matter on the national scale. It, yeah, oh, yeah. It's like uh, it, what it sort of feels like is you win, you know, like you're a boxer or a fighter or something like that, and you win a fight and you just beat the hell out of somebody, and then somebody from the crowd goes, good job, little fella. And you're like, what are you looking at? Like, and so now there is that kind of, yeah, there is that. And the term disrespect, I think gets, um, thrown, gets thrown out a lot. Uh, like they disrespected us. Like, I think it gets thrown out a lot. Uh, but I think it's not to me, disrespect is an active verb where you are actively disrespecting something. You know, it's, it's spitting on your shoe as I'm standing in front of you. It's, it's shoving you like it's an act of disrespect not respecting is just kind of the, just devoid of, of respect. Iowa state is not respected. I don't think they're actively disrespected, but they're not respected yet. And I think that is the perfect little niche to sit in, you know, like if you're, if you're a Matt Campbell, 
you've been talking about dealing with expectations and you've been talking about now you actually have a target in your back and, and inside locker rooms. Like one of the things that was true is there was a, a Texas player, a former Texas player that's in the NFL. Now I forget what it was. And he was like, there are two teams that I respect. It's Oklahoma and it's Iowa state. The rest of the big 12 can screw off like that kind of thing. Well, uh, inside locker rooms, Iowa state is respected in press boxes. Iowa state is not respected. And the fact that you are going to have, you're going to have a target on your back from uh, the other coaches to say like, these guys are good, but you're not going to get any type of recognition from anybody else. And the fact that you can live in that space to know that you have a target to be kind of spoon fed the message of, all right, now you have to deal with expectations, but you also can layer in the fact of you're going to deal with expectations, but no one likes you. No one's expecting anything of you. And you can fold into that and you can, be the little turd that everyone thinks you are, or you could bow up and punch them right square in the face, say, all right, we're nothing. Take this. So it's, it's a, it's a great little, little thing to operate. In. And this is a season long thing. Like this is, even if like, you know, let's say Iowa state goes eight and zero and they beat the hell out of everybody, which would be great. Like, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but let's play the hypothetical situation. And they're ranked like third in the nation or something like that. There's still going to be this caveat that like, you still don't want us here. Like you still don't like us. So this is a thing that you can ride all the way through the season that, you know what, Texas and Oklahoma, we beat, you know, in this hypothetical example, we beat Texas by 14 points and we still are nothing to you. Fine. Get out of here. Like that type, that motivation, that, yeah, that, that internal kind of F you that will ride the whole season. And it's, so I think like a good comparison would be so in boxing, there's, this guy, Bud Crawford, who's actually from Omaha. And I mean, he's, he beats the crap out of everybody has been for a while, might be the best pound for pound boxer in the world. But even every, every time he wins a fight, still there's that guy who pops up and says, well, yeah, but he's not the best until he beats Floyd Mayweather. Floyd Mayweather Mayweather's like 25 years older than Bud Crawford, but still it's like, yeah, but he didn't beat Floyd Mayweather. So he's not, you know, he, Uh he isn't the best. And that's like Iowa state is Bud Crawford chasing, uh, chasing this thing that seems to be completely unattainable because like Floyd Mayweather has been boxing for 30 years almost and has been one of the greats for a really long time to compare them is not really fair because they're at different compare, like at different stages in what they are, Mm -hmm. but still because they're like, well, I was, you know, I was stayed on that, you know, on that same tier, they never won national championship or they've never won a conference title or something like that. And that's like, what's used to discount Iowa state still, Mm -hmm. even though it's like, have you been watching for the last five years? What more do they have to do to, what more do they have to prove to you that they belong here? Well, and and I don't know necessarily a ton of backstory on Clemson, but I don't think it's great prior to Dabo. No, like they won a title in the eighties, but it's like, they were not very, bro. There was a thing called Clemsoning. With, yeah. with, with Taj Boyd and, and those guys. And so you have this average to above average. So better than Iowa state, I, I would imagine again, I, I'm coming from a little bit of ignorance. So if anyone is, uh, if anyone's a Clemson fan or whatever, like I would accept the education, but don't take this as me sliding them, but they weren't, you know, t- Ohio state and Texas and Oklahoma and Nebraska, like they have these histories that date back a hundred years, Alabama, they have these, the, you are, in 1931, they had seven Heisman Trophy winners by that. Like that, you know, that type of longstanding success. And Clemson wasn't 
until Dabo made them into what they are. And now everyone's like, they are just, they're just automatically great. Now there's a big hump to get across that line, but at the same time, people now accept Clemson as one of the dominant powers, where if you were to ask 15 years ago, who is one of the, who are the dominant powers? Clemson wouldn't even be breathed in the same conversation. Probably even so, 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, it, it, before, so prior, before Deshaun Watson, before yeah. Deshaun Watson, Clemson was not in that same tier. And now they are one of the, one of the best. And so who cares about what happened so long as you can do what you need to do. So back to Iowa state for a second and where the, the, the line they sit on is they probably are sitting on that line of saying, all right, fine. We're nothing. We'll show you what nothing can do, you know, that kind of thing. So I'm excited. Yeah. I think there's just a natural, like a really good, uh, F you moment. Cause I think to me, I think you need a healthy level of screw you to be good at football. Like you can't operate like unicorns and rainbows and Pollyanna. Like you were literally trying to uh, detach a human being from the football or move a human being out of like completely out of the stadium against his wishes. That takes a fair amount of aggression. And so like having a built in aggression that says, all right, we're nothing. Let's go. Let's see what nothing can do. And even, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I just, it, it's one of those things because it's like you come out of the fiesta bowl last year and you're like, man, they finally did it. They validated the things that we've seen for so long, like on the national stage. And it's like, man, maybe now people will finally actually pay attention, you know, and see this for what we see it as. And it kind of seemed like that was going to be the case. Then this whole deal happened. And all of a sudden it just goes down the shitter you know? And I mean, I understand why it is. I don't know. National media people are really locked into really long standing narratives. Mm -hmm. It's really hard to not be when you cover the sport at such a broad level. And I, I understand that I probably would be the same way to an extent. If I was in, in their shoes, you got to do a lot of homework. If you're going to really be locked in the way that, you know, to give like true analysis on every team, but it's lazy. It's lazy. And that's what I would sit there as a, a player. I'd, I'd look at it and be like, man, you don't even care to put in the work to understand what is really going on here. So we're going to make sure that we put it straight in front of your face and you don't yeah. have any, uh, you don't have any uh, choice but mm-hmm. to recognize it. Yeah. All right. That's, that's enough of that. Um, do you have anything else on realignment? I know you wanted to weigh in on something else. The only, the only thing that I, 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 like, I've kind of been thinking about this and I don't know if, if Chris, I listened to Chris and Bloom's uh, podcast that kind of went over all of the scenario and kind of been in touch with the stuff that Chris is doing. And, uh, and I don't know if he, I don't recall if he'd said this, um, but I think what's interesting now and what he was mentioning, and he said this before and echoed again, which is the best thing for Iowa state fans is nothing's happening. Silence is occurring because the more that's out there, it's either a leak or it's a made up story. And neither one of those situations is good. But what's interesting, like back a a few weeks ago, which feels like six months ago, a few weeks ago when Pollard and Winterstein um, put out that kind of video for those that know Jamie Pollard, or at least can read between the, like the lines like, if you, you know, (laughs) Jamie doesn't fake feelings very well, and he doesn't hide them very well. And so he also has a sit down. I'm going to educate you on what's actually happening. Like that is a a thing that he he tends to do and is very good at. Um, So when he was saying that the two things, he's like, the two things that are true 
are one, a grant of rights is the ability to broadcast a game. And we were talking about this before. It's not ironclad, but it at least would cause a legal struggle in order to get those back or to get that around where it would have to go through lawsuits and uh, appeals and whatever to get that or, or, or arbitration, like whatever, something that would slow that down, which would prevent probably a whole season. And it would cost a considerable amount of money, a considerable amount of money and whatever. So a grant of rights is if, if you want to broadcast your game, you have to have a grant of rights. Well, this grant of rights was given to the big 12, which was then sold to ESPN and Fox. That's what happened. Period. End of story. Separate from that, not the same separate from that is if Texas and Oklahoma leave, they owe or leave before the contract date is done in 2025, they owe 70 mil piece back to the conference. So two things, they can leave and bounce and pay the $70 million, but they don't get their TV rights. And if they do, then they have to, again, go through arbitration or appeals or lawsuits or whatever to try and get them back, which means they cannot make money to pay that thing because they won't have the TV money or they won't have the, they won't have that broadcast revenue to make the money, to pay the things to pay the, all that kind of stuff. It, it's a sort of circle that they're sitting in. And so the way that Jamie said that, uh, indicates that, uh, Texas and Oklahoma F you, we are not letting you out of anything. And so what's interesting is that if all eight of the teams, I, I so what I would uh, in my head, and this is, if I'm, if I'm an athletic director, again, I'm, I have far less information than they do, but if, if I'm an athletic director, I'm talking with the other seven and going, look, let's go shop this around and let's find ourselves a good landing spot. But until everybody has a good landing spot, stay together. Nothing happens. We're not leaving. No one leaves before because what Texas and Oklahoma are trying to do is because those two things would F them together. Like if you don't get your grant of rights and you don't, and you have to pay 70 mil a piece without being able to get your grant of rights to find the money to pay that, then you are screwed. And so what they're trying to do is they're trying to be that dick hole in a relationship that doesn't want to break up with you. They're just going to be enough of an asshole to make you break up with them. And so if they're be, they were, if they cause this huge fuss, they bring it out of nowhere, they cause people to panic. And then all of a sudden, you know, TCU and Baylor bolt to the PAC 12. And then all of a sudden the contraparty to this contract of the big 12 is no longer in effect, which means the contract is null and void. They get out scot-free. They get their grant of rights back. They get their, they can save their $70 million. But if the, the eight stay together and keep the big 12 in play until they have a safe landing spot, Texas and Oklahoma are foot to the fire. They cannot broadcast their games. They have to contribute the revenue back to the big 12 in the same way they have before. And they can't, they, they would have to still be on the hook for that $70 million. And so right now the, the power is held with the other eight, because again, Texas and Oklahoma want a strong arm. As long as they stick together and hold the big 12 as the contraparty to this contract, they can't leave. It doesn't make sense. They wouldn't be able to do it without substantial substantial legal problems in order to do that. So it, it is interesting that Iowa State and yeah, the rest of the conference, as long as they stick together, are in a relatively powerful position. So I would imagine, and again, this is me, if I was an athletic director, as I talk to everybody and say, let's find our best situation, but stay together until we do. And then once we do, we still can F Oklahoma and Texas to get their revenue until 2025. And you are going to play this contract out or you're going to pay your way out of it. Like, so I, th I think Iowa state and the rest of the conference, as long as they stick together are in a pretty good position still. Absolutely. All right. On to the next thing. Um, vaccinations. This is not going to be a political conversation. I don't care what anybody out there thinks about vaccinations. It, it doesn't matter. That's not the point. The reality is that right now in 2021 in college football, 
the teams that have more players vaccinated are going to be in an advantage. Uh, when you think about the protocols that are going to be in place, uh, if you, the guys that are unvaccinated will probably face similar situations to what they had to last year. Mm -hmm. uh, the players who are vaccinated will be tested considerably less, will be considerably less likely to be caught in contact tracing and therefore considerably less likely to miss football games. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, I know that, you know, during the summer when we talked to coach Campbell at one of the camps, he told us that a, a majority of his, his roster was, uh, was vaccinated. He did not give us a percentage. I'm interested to hear if he gives a percentage today, uh, or at least a guess of a percentage, um, just with, I mean, most coaches across the country have done that at this point. A lot of teams are at, you know, 80 to 90%, you know, some are at a hundred percent. Uh, but I just, I think that people need to understand that that number is going to be really important for every team across the country uh, yeah. as we get going into this season. Yeah. Especially because uh, the biggest part is you have to, it's sort of like, uh, I don't know. My sister-in-law is an absolute superhero. She has trip ten, uh, eight month old triplets and she never loses it. Very rarely loses her patience. And one of the things we were, we kind of were like, gave her a compliment, like, man, Chelsea, you are just an absolute, just rock star. And she was like, what can I be mad about? This is, the hand that you were dealt, you have to play with. You can't, you can't wish that something is different. I have, you know, at the time I have three, five month old children that a lot of times will scream, but that's what kids do. It, this is the hand you were dealt. So she's put her, she kind of put her hands out in front of her palms up and said, hand that you're dealt, take the cards. And so the hand that college football is dealt, Dealt, the rules were written like it, it is what it is. Like, again, take the politics, take the ethic, take all that out. The cards that are on the table right now, not what should be, but what is, is if there is contract tracing or if there is a positive test, you will likely have to miss a game. If you have a vaccination, you are less likely, like you said, to be subjected to said tests. Therefore, you won't miss a game. So, from a purely football perspective, the higher that number, the better off the team is going to be. So yeah, I'm curious what that number is. I would imagine in either case though, because of how good uh, Cobrely and Shannon and Nate and those, the athletic training staff and the medical staff are, they're going to find a way to make sure that everyone is educated on what their options are and what their choices are and not just, you know, force feed information. And, and, you know, they're very good at what they do. And even if there is an election made not to do that, they're going to probably at least take care of that person the same way that they did last year to get, you know, everybody has, you know, everybody, they, they played all the games, which is rare compared to what other teams did. So I, either way, I think Iowa State's in a good situation. It's more of a curiosity of, yeah, what that percentage is and can you practice like normal based on that percentage? And I'm, I'm going to guess that the number will be very high. Yeah. Uh, just knowing what I know about coach Campbell and, and that medical staff, I think that they will have done a good job of educating guys on things like that. Unlike apparently the Minnesota Vikings have with uh, Kirk cousins, who's going to do conduct all of his quarterback meetings inside of a plexiglass box. Cause he's a freaking weirdo, but uh, that's a whole other deal. But that, that's just like something that I think in the NFL, the NFL is going to see that come into play a lot more because mm -hmm. there's a lot more guys with just like really strong personalities yeah. that are going to be a lot more hard headed about these things. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I mean, it is what it is. It is a personal choice. I don't agree with it, but at the same time, it's just like, you know, you're kind of putting your team at a competitive disadvantage if yeah, you are not able to play. 
again, hand you or dealt. Like if you could, if, if you said the rules should be this way and that one shouldn't have to have that great. That's fine. That's not realistic. Like you can't pretend you, you can't should your way the speed limit here, officer, the speed limit should be 45. Yeah, but it's 35 and you're going 48. Therefore speeding ticket, the should doesn't apply. Like no matter what the reason is, the should doesn't apply. So right now the rules are like, this is contact tracing, forcing people to sit out again, whether or not you like them, those are the rules, like dealing with what's there to capitalize on this season, which is uh, I would say a very important season for Iowa state independent of expectations. It is a very important season just because of how many guys are old and they're older than they normally would be. So they're going to, you're going to lose a few. So make sure this season is not one that you try and roll the dice with, uh, in the, what you think the rules should be and deal with what the rules are as best you can. All right. We're more than a month into, uh, players being able to benefit off of their name, image, and likeness. Uh, Coach Campbell had touched on some of these things a couple weeks ago, but I think now that we're more than a month in, he will be able to give us a pretty good guess of how he's seen, you know, his players impacted, his roster as a whole uh, impacted by things like this. Uh, and I'm interested to hear some of his thoughts just on how he thinks that that entire thing has gone now that there's, you know, a pretty solid sample size of data uh, at play here. You know, I don't think he's going to come out and say that Brock Purdy is going to make seven figures because I'm pretty confident that Brock Purdy can't make seven figures off his name, image, and likeness and aimed Iowa. But that's, right. uh, you know, kind of like what Nick Saban did with, with his quarterback, Bryce Young. Uh, but I still think that, you know, now he will be able to come in and give a really good, solid answer and have the information to back it up about, you know, this is what we've seen with our guys. This is how uh, our guys have been able to handle it so far. Um, and this is where I stand on it after we've gone through a little bit of this process now. Did you see Remsburg's? Uh, yeah. He's, yeah. he's uh, sponsor, sponsored by a, a meat stand at the Iowa State Fair. Yeah, it's uh, Which is this the is most... A- free advertising free advertising jr's at uh at the iowa state fair which is run by um brooks reynolds owned by brooks reynolds who started the bacon fest and is i've gotten to know a little bit it's a really good guy but uh that is the most offensive line i mean perfect perfect branding like this it's like a fish advertising water like that is exactly perfect love it absolutely love it so offensive lineman branding amen go for it i'll also say so this is not I, I wrote it in my column, but I didn't really give any details. Uh, hopefully as soon as maybe Monday or Tuesday and merch guy, Mike can text me and tell me that I'm an idiot for saying this, if I'm wrong, but uh, we're going to have Mike Rose and Greg Eisworth shirts cool. on the cyclone fanatic store. And uh, they are awesome. Jeff, they are absolutely, absolutely fantastic. Even, even if, uh, I have enough t-shirts in my life, but I would just pay the money. So the kids can get some type of cut from that money. So even without cool shirts, so it makes it way better with cool shirts. Yeah. They, uh, are a play on bash brothers or, or, uh, some famous brothers would be, I think the best way to say that. Okay. Uh, but th- they made. Are really cool. Huh? T's made T E A S E T's made. Oh yeah. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm just going to move on. It's a tease for the product. You were just oh. teasing the product coming out. So good job on tease. I was giving you a compliment, Jared. Oh, Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get, yeah, I get what you're saying. 
Uh, all right. You wonder why I didn't want to sit down for five days. Uh, it's sorry. I'm just, it's, uh, 10 20 in the morning, still early. Uh, uh, all right, we just got done talking about that realignment and how these guys might feel disrespected, but the expectations for this program are still really high. Uh, these guys obviously don't live in a plastic bubble where they don't talk to people on the outside. Mm-hmm. And obviously excitement in Central Iowa is as high as it's ever been for this program. They're aware of that. Uh, what is Matt Campbell's message to these guys as they continue to battle those things? Now going into fall camp and like this is when the hype train is really going to be at full steam, you know, a couple weeks from now, these guys are going to start going back to class and, uh, and being on campus. And you already know that this is going to be the, the talk of campus for, I mean, really the entire fall. Yeah. Well, and so I, uh, I still like, I'll do some mentoring with, uh, some guys on the, on the actual football team. And I've, t- I've kind of just talked to them about like, like, how are you feeling about this? And the thing that they've said that's been communicated is that like, you know what a target's like, like, you know, by the end, by the back half of last year, you were the target. You were the team that was leading the conference. You've lived with a target. So now you're just going to have to carry that. Like you're going to have to continue living. You know what it takes to be at the top, to stay at the top. You just have to do that again. And again, we're starting the year like that, not only ending the year. So I think it's just like a reiteration that let's keep everything. And, you know, it is a, it is coach speak, but as good at, you know, the top level coaches are really good at kind of filtering out the noise and keeping everybody, uh, focused on what you actually can control and what you actually can do. And if you want to live up to the hype that you're there, you got to put in the work to do it. And I think they, I mean, again, I would imagine from with the new strength staff with, from that, that started before last year with coach Campbell being willing to change things and stuff, I would imagine they've put in the work now to, or at least to get to this point. And now the, the message is going to be, all right, you know, that you have a target, you lived with the target. So live up to the target. You know what you have to do, which is just put in the work and it's going to take care of itself. Trust the process, you know, process driven results aware, do what you need to do. And the winds are going to come and we'll adjust if things start to go wrong. But I, I don't have as much, as much concern with that, especially in light of the, or the, uh, the, the realignment stuff of getting kind of smacked back down to earth a little bit, where if you did, if anyone was sitting high on the hog or thinking that they were, you know, the top of the mountain, well, all of a sudden you get told for two weeks that you don't really matter. Like it's fun. You're good, but it doesn't really matter. And all of a sudden that can kind of reignite a fire total, not necessarily total non sequitur. Um, one of the things I'm really curious of with the NIL stuff is Bryce young. That is a 19 year old kid who now is commit is in Alabama empire, which is one set of stressors, but you can live when you're kind of a new kid on the block, you've got talent around you. You can let the defense win the games. Well, you got seven figures. Now the expectations aren't on the defense, the expectations, win, lose, draw, good offense, good defense, bad defense, all of it falls on your shoulders and whether or not whatever side of the argument on Simone Biles that you had, the fact that she had to deal with the weight of the world and that cracked her, even an Olympic champion that cracked her. Do you think that dude's not going to feel an immense amount of pressure now because he's been the lightning rod for 
all the NIL stuff. He is the figurehead for everything that goes through Alabama. People are going to want to talk to him just as much as they want to talk to Saban. That's that, that is a lot of pressure. Like that's if, if he's able to harness it, he, you know, he's going to be pretty damn good. And even, even either way is going to be pretty damn good. But if this, at some point, you know, if they're, if the fan bases that are there, they're starting to, you know, that they get into his head, they're, when he starts to have a bad game or two and then starts feeling the pressure to try and do everything because he has, he is worth seven figures. His first one really ever be worth that. And I don't know. That's an interesting, as the season goes on, I would imagine, you know, as they're playing, uh, coastal Minnesota state, a and M tech in their first two games, he's going to fly out of the water, but when they start having to play, you know, I don't know what their schedule is, but Georgia they play Miami in week one. Oh, great. That's a hell of a start. So that's not Mrs. That's not the, coastal Wyoming. That is a hell of a game to get out of the gate. Right. Yeah. Uh, I looked up how, how old Bryce young is. He's 20 years old. Uh, and I was going to say, imagine making a million dollars at 20 years old, but, uh, to, to keep it in Iowa state terms, imagine making $10.3 million like Taylor Horton Tucker will be doing for the next three years. So, yeah. uh, we, we know there are examples of people who are 20 years old making that amount of money that true. But at the same time, Taylor Horton Tucker, it's not that it's, I don't think it's necessarily the money. Like you could make, even if he made 200,000, but yeah. he was well, it's a little bit different situation when you got LeBron James and Anthony Davis right. carrying the weight of the world rather than you. Yeah. When you are the show. Yeah. But there's a bunch of really good players at Alabama. And I'm sure there are guys that are making 50, 60, 70, hundred, hundred and two or whatever they're making fair amount of money there, but he is the point. Like it is not five guys that are bearing the load and you know, like Brees Hall, Brock Purdy, Greg Eisworth, all those Charlie Kohler, they're, they're kind of co-faces of the team. So not one of them has to feel the pressure of carrying the load. Bryce young is the face. He is the point that carries the load and which is fine when you can do it. But when it starts to crack, that's really hard to get out of the way of. So I mean, I'm very interested to see how he handles or how he, how his confidence handles throughout the season. For sure. All right. Then the last thing, uh, coach Campbell obviously talked in the spring about how they had adapted their spring plans and did a lot less hitting a lot more trying to improve physically, uh, working on the fundamentals of systems and things like that. Uh, and a lot of that was born out of the way that they had to conduct fall camp last year during COVID. Um, I want, I'm interested to know how many of those things carry over or if they go, because he's a guy who really was in the school of we're going to really break people down during fall camp and have a really difficult fall camp with a lot of hitting, uh, a lot of, you know, going really, really intense Mm -hmm. and, I'm intrigued to know if he has changed that stance a little bit now after he saw how much better, you know, how much more rested his team was in November uh, Mm -hmm. down, down the stretch and how they were able to kind of sustain their high level of play throughout the entire season. uh, Now that, you know, he's kind of gotten some experience in that. Yeah. I would say that I would guess that it's going to be a lot less physical in camp. Like there are going to be days where you obviously have to tackle, you have to block at full speed. You have to, you have to scrimmage at some point, but I would, I would imagine it's going to be much less. Let's see how hard you, we can, you know, we need to, to break these, we need to work at you, know, whatever. I, because this, the way the schedule, well, two things, the way the schedule stacks up, you get one bye week in October. So like you have, was it six games by week, six games or five, five weeks, five games by seven, like something like that. But it's like in the middle of the year, we get one by to breathe and you have to be in shape and healthy week after week, after week, after week. And part two is you're no longer expecting 
a 12 and maybe one more game schedule. You're expecting 13 with a big 12 championship game, plus a bowl game at 14. And then maybe if you get into the playoff at 15th, like this is a way longer sighted team. Like you're preparing now for, you know, emotionally preparing for 15 games in five months. Like you are, this is a lot longer perspective than I think he's going to take and seeing how it hit. Yeah. Like last year, it was hard. It, like the Louisiana, the Louisiana game was is always kind of the one that comes back to. And it was the first game without fans. They were everybody was flat. There was a whole lot that went wrong with that game. But outside of that, they played well at the start of the season, other than that one, and then kept that high level play all the way through. And you know, arguably by the end of the year, you, if you, I think if you put Oklahoma and Iowa State on the field ten times, each wins five, and it's in order to be that, you know, in order to be that good, in order to be at the level you want to, you have to be healthy and strong and consistent by the end of there. So yeah, I would bet this is much more like last year and much less like years before. Okay. This is just a general football question. One I've always wondered about though. Um, how much do teams you think have to hit to be good tackling teams? Because I would say Iowa State generally is a good tackling team. But, I mean, there's a lot of teams out there that, I mean, I'm sure hit just as much as Iowa State that aren't good tackling teams. Well, I think it, prior, prior knowledge says that you have to tackle to be good at tackling. You know, like you have to actually do live tackling to understand how to be good at tackling. But I think that was conventional wisdom that was wrong. You know, like it was, it, it's sort of like, you know, I, I guess I don't, I can't come up with a myth that was in it. That was, that's innately proven incorrect, but like, Oh, the rice thing, the rest, ice, compress and elevate. You got a sprained ankle, rest it, ice it, compress it, elevate. That's a thing that we held as gospel. Like the, the world held as absolute gospel for like 30 years. And then all of a sudden the guy who came up with it, the, the actual doctor that came up with the rice method goes, Hey, I actually, I was wrong. That's not true. And then all the current research is backing up the fact that that's not the right way to approach it. And so this, the thing that we held as honest to God, like came down from above truth isn't right. And I think last year, especially like with Iowa state and the way that they ran their practices and being much less physical, they didn't have a spring ball, they, you know, whatever. And they were still one of the best tackling teams. You can be good without being uh, irresponsible in the amount of contact. Like you can still understand how to hit. You can still understand the physicality required when you come, when you bring yourself to a tackle, but yeah, I think you can do it without hitting a, a, an extreme amount. You have to do it some to understand again, like how much do I need, how much muscle do I need to bring to the party? So I don't get knocked over backwards. Cause that's always the thing that happens in the first couple is either the running back or, or the ball carrier thinks that they don't know what it feels like to get tackled. And then the tackler doesn't know how, what the force required to, to bring somebody to the ground is. But after two or three, you kind of get a feel. You're like, all right, okay, this is how much I got to bring. Like, this is what it feels like to get tackled. So as long as you get enough of that, they're probably fine. And so I think they're, yeah, I would guess it's going to be much closer to last year than years prior. And, you know, hopefully that pays in dividends of health and like, and that's not necessarily even like, uh, you know, ACL tears and whatever. It's the stuff that's like soft tissue injuries where a guy has a shoulder injury, like a strange trap. 
that he can't, you know, like that kind of thing where like Greg Eisworth's shoulder always like the year prior was a lot worse than it was last year, because that's just a repetitive use type thing where you hit with your shoulder, you hit with your shoulder, you hit with your shoulder, you hit with your shoulder over time, your shoulder is going to get sore. And then you have to hit with it sore and it gets worse and worse and worse. So it's one of those things that you can prevent overuse injuries by doing it responsibly. So I think this is a new paradigm and the more successful Iowa state and teams like that are with it, the better off, you know, the more teams that are going to adopt it. Do you think there's any element that some people are just like born with that innate ability to tackle? Like, I, I don't know. I feel like there's some bat like basketball players, like some guys just have this, like LeBron James, LeBron James did not train to do the passing things that he does. He just has that ability. He was born with that ability to process basketball at a level where he sees things that people on the basketball floor do not, you know, mm -hmm. uh, it's like with tackling, like you either are born with just this natural ability that when you see a ball carrier, you see a, or anything, you see a person and it's like, I have to get that person on the ground and you just have like an ability to do that uh, regardless of what it, you know, how much you're actually doing it. You just have some sort of something about your physical makeup or something like that just makes you, uh, born to be a tackler. I don't know. That was a weird way to explain that, but I think it, I, I think you kind of get what I'm saying. Well, I'm sure, yeah. I think talent plays a part. A lot of expectations, like not expectations, a lot of, um, experience yeah. comes in play, like of in games, like you've played enough games and you've made enough live in game tackles that you know what to do, like, you know, since you were 12 or whatever, like, you know, how to actually operate in that space. So similar to what I would consider, I mean, this is again, perhaps not the right metaphor, but similar to shooting a basketball, you know, like you can become, you're, you're a, someone's a good shooter because they've practiced enough shots to become a good shooter. But once you become a, a good shooter, it's only incrementally better from there. You know, like Steph Curry, isn't all of a sudden going to shoot 74% from three. Like he's already, you know, he's really good and he can get better, but you're not going to, you know, once you have, once your shots, once you know what it takes to make a basket, you kind of just do it. So I think there is a level of experience in the door to make it. So, you know, understand what's happening. Uh, and then technical reminders and making sure you can do it better and more efficiently. But yeah, you're probably, you know, once you know how to do it, you kind of know how to do it. And there's also people that, you know, in basketball terms, you, you can drill it all day. You can have the best technically shot. Like it looks beautiful. It's beef. It's exactly what they teach it to be, but the shot still doesn't go in, mm -hmm. you know, like there, there are still things that just for some reason, like that person just cannot put the ball in the basket at the same rate. I feel like tackling could be the same thing where it's like, you can teach that person to tackle and you can drill tackling over and over and over again. They use perfect form every time. And yet they still, and even when they go in and it looks like they do everything right, they don't get people on the ground. You know, you, still, you also kind of have to be crazy. Like, yeah. really yeah, like Ashim Young was born to hit people. You got to be a little crazy. Yeah. I, Ashim needs to back it off just to skosh, like to keep himself in football games, like just to back turn the crazy down. Like your crazy setting right now, your Madden crazy rating is at 99. It just needs to be at 92. Like it doesn't need to be, it doesn't, we don't need to take it down to 80 or something. You know, you're talking about a defensive back, right? Yeah, no, no, I, I know. But like his, his crazy rating is too high. Right now, like I shame Young's crazy ratings like at a Brian Dawkins level, and we need him to go to like uh, we need him at like Teron uh, Matthew level. He is, yeah, we need Teron Matthew crazy. He is right now at uh, well, Ronnie Lott mm, crazy. Teron Matthew in the NFL crazy, not not college Teron Matthew crazy. Yeah, right, right. 
Uh, all right, man. Uh, I think that's everything unless you've got anything else you want to throw out there. Well, we're going to be doing more of these. So we actually are going to talk about football, football, uh, once we actually get, you know, in camp and talk about it. So the things to look forward to on the farts, the upcoming farts are talking about what Iowa state needs to improve on. Cause like we've blown enough. We, I say we as a collective, we, the Royal, we have blown enough smoke up Iowa state's ass to everyone knows that Brees Hall is really good. Everyone knows that Brock Purdy is really good. Charlie Cole is really good. The offensive line is really good. The defense, we know that, but now what do they have to improve upon in order to be the level that they want to be at? So I think there are some specific things that they, that I would imagine the coaching staff is actively trying to improve upon and the players are trying to improve upon. So that uh, there are things to improve. And, and I'm, I'm excited to find those things. So then you can go, yeah, we weren't great at X. So let's improve upon X so we can make our team even better. Uh, I hadn't even told you this. So Jay Jordan wants to be more involved with the farts moving forward. So people can look forward to some, uh, some extreme farts with Jay once we really get going here. Cause I think that he's going to be more involved from week to week than what he has been previously. I'm excited for that, man. That's good. Block off six hours, just block off six hours. Yeah. It's like my Mondays every week. I just, I can't plan anything on Mondays. <laughs> Hit record at nine 15. We'll I'm going to get up. I'm going to get up, lunch. go eat lunch, you know, do my thing, come back at like five o'clock at night and you guys are still going and you're up at your whiteboard drawing <laughs> up, uh, like halfback or, or like fullback draw or fullback trap plays, uh, out of different formations. And it's like, they don't even line up in the I formation. Like why are they don't even have a fullback? Why are but you guys, you know what? Just in case. Oh man. All hey, right. Man, the, rust, the rust bus is taken off the station. Don't you, you just wait. Roy Walling, man. Got to put him back there. Hand him some out of the, uh, some of those quick handoffs. Roy, Roy's about a buck 85. I don't know if, He's going to come with it. He's going to come. Man, you mean that you're out. telling me you think that if, if it was third and one at the, <laughs> at the Oklahoma 28 yard line and Matt Campbell put Rory Walling three yards behind Brock Purdy and said, I need your ass to get one yard. You would not want, you don't think Rory Walling could get that one yard. No, I think he could. Uh, but I think that is probably an unwise decision uh, considering you have the best running back in the country. Uh, also playing that position and uh, well, it's a, you're going to shock him. You know, it's going to be a oh, surprise. Sure, you're not sure. expecting it. Sure. Yeah. No, I, I, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I think that's probably not. It's a, like when Nebraska realistic. had Nebraska had Lawrence Phillips uh, and Amon green in the backfield and they're giving the ball to Jeff McAvicka, you know, well, like, they actually ran. They think that was a fullback. Like he, well, had, that's what I'm saying. Like he, you give it the ball, Jeff McVitt. Nobody thinks you're going to give the ball, Jeff McVitt. When you got two guys who are going to be, well, had the potential to be like all pro running backs, you know, this is a stupid idea. Hey, I'm just, I, I just missed the fullback trap. I don't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> all right. I'll talk to you next week, man. We'll talk that's to everybody good. soon. Peace.